0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, in high fidelity.
1: Hello hockey fans and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at the HockeyWriters.com. We are talking with J.D. Stiles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas
2: franchise history, George Nixby. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm the finest man I've ever met in my life.
1: This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek.
2: There's something about George McSee that everybody says is a good
3: pick.
1: This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm going to do a quick mic check here with Chris. After last week, I'm not sure if I got all the bugs worked out. Chris, are you there today, sir? All right, apparently Apparently I I do not have have my microphone issues worked out, so I went to my alternate source. Chris, are you there, sir? Chris, are you there, sir? I am. How you doing, Mark? Okay, very good. Hold on just a second. I'm trying to work through a couple of kinks from last week. How, how am I coming through for you, sir? Okay, so my microphone issues, I thought I had them all fixed out. The test mic seemed to work good, but alas, it was no avail. Anyway, we've got a good show for everybody this week. We are. How about there, Chris? Can you hear me now?
0: I can
1: hear you clear as day. Can you hear me? Clear as day. That's what I like to hear. Okay. A couple fiddling of the buttons there and we're all good. All right. Well, we got a good show for everybody today. Sorry about the little hiccups, but I wanted to make sure off the bat that after last week, we did have everything taken care of and it looks like maybe we're going to be able to make it through. A lot lot went down in the National Hockey League this week. Uh, Somewhat subdued trade deadline, I would say, compared to maybe the last couple of years. Uh, but we do have Anthony paglia coming in to talk some Boston Bruins hockey. And we also, obviously, we're going to go down the Vegas lane in our weekly segment with Dana. We're going to talk about the upcoming uh, national championship and the College Club Hockey Association. Or the UNLVs did make it through the regionals, and they'll be teeing it up here shortly. Uh, a couple other big news coming out of the Vegas Golden Knights camp, so we're going to go over all of that. But let's break the ice, Chris. We did get through the trade deadline, I guess, uh, the biggest deal was was going to be Shat and Kirk, and I was kind of 5050 last week on whether he would actually move, but uh, looks like the Washington Capitals bolstered their blue line with a deal, huh?
0: Yeah, they that was probably that was uh, the biggest player probably moved obviously the caps uh, uh, with that move and also the wild with their move with Hansel. And what they gave up pretty much show that they're all in, or as, as much as in as they can possibly be. So, uh, yeah. I mean, in in terms of the deadline, the deadline now is really about teams that are out of contention, and they, at this point, the players that they have who are going to be unrestricted free agents is a reason for that, and they're going to move as many of those pieces as possible for the best prospects or more so probably draft picks that they get. Uh, In today's cap world, that's what the deadline's really all about. I mean, I think if you look at all the trades that happened, the only significant guy to move who signed uh, for at least next season was uh, Topola, who went from Tampa to Philly. So everyone else pending uh, USA's and and the like.
1: Well, well, let's start uh, how do you think and Philpula helps out.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, it's kind of weird, right? One, it, yeah, I I don't know what Philly. I mean, look, Philpula's a good player. He's not the offensive player he once was. I know he has, you know, thirty-four. I believe he has around thirty-four, thirty-five points. But he only has seven goals, and Philly needs more depth in terms of scoring up front. He's a veteran. He's been he's been around the block. He's only signed for one more year with a $5 million cap hit. But um, obviously, uh, with the cap, by all accounts, going to remain flat for next year. Uh, and maybe Ron Hexwell felt like, hey, if I could get a fill Polo on July 1st in free agency for on a one-year deal, I'd be thrilled or, oh, for 5000000 million. I'd be thrilled to make that deal. So maybe that's how he looked at it. It's a tremendous deal uh, for Tampa in terms of their salary cap situation. It also has a great impact for the expansion draft, which I'll, which I'll ask a question with Dana with when we have him on. We'll break that down at that point. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that one kind of threw me threw me a bit. I mean, to me, the the story, the big story the headlines for the for the deadline uh, for the trade deadline, where Shattenkirk, Hansel went and what Minnesota that uh, was willing to give up to get Hansel, and Colorado not moving either Duchenne or Landis God.
1: Well, well on the Philpula thing, his 35-37 points would make him the third-leading scorer on the Kings, so maybe, maybe, (laughs) I don't know. Um, He was getting some scoring depth. But uh, as far as playoff implications, not so much, right?
0: Yeah, I would say so. And I'm really looking forward to getting your opinion on the two Kings deals. I get flipping King for a draft pick and then flipping... The same kind of draft pick to get to Gimla, uh, you know, hoping to catch a little bit of a lightning on the bo- in the bottle. Uh, maybe you can explain to me the Ben Bishop deal. I get it. Uh, they didn't. I don't believe they gave up much to get him, so I get it from that standpoint. But I'm I was a bit surprised and confused. And also, um, is there a conditional pick going from LA to Tampa? I, I thought I heard that or read that and I'm not sure what the details on that. So why don't you break down the Kings-Bishop deal?
1: Um, I, it's, the conditional pick is complicated. I'm not really sure I get it. It's a, it's based on games played going through and if they advance to the playoffs and stuff like that. So we'll, that's about what that is. But um, Okay. I don't know. Do we, do,
0: I, I, do we know how high would, of a pick that could be?
1: I think it can go as high as a second, right? Um,
0: okay. That makes sense.
1: I don't think it will, because as I said before, I don't think the Kings are doing anything in the playoffs this year. They didn't do anything to address the, the, the glaring need that is scoring punch. Um, listen, you traded a young Dwight King who is what he is. He's a, a big body, who's pretty tough in the corners. He can do, play physical hockey, um, for a fourth. And then basically you trade that fourth. So it was basically a Dwight King to. Uh, you know, Dwight King for Jerome McGinley trade. I don't know. The, the, the problem with the Kings is they have a whole bunch of players that can do what Jerome McGinley does. They didn't change their structure. They didn't change their team speed. If anything, it got a little bit worse. Um, and they didn't really add scoring punch, which was their deal. So, um, and in the 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 Bishop deal, they gave up a couple of good young prospects, which we talked about before as well. That that's not that hasn't borne fruit. In the last few years, for the Kings, if you will, by giving up draft picks and, and prospects, uh, Martin Jones comes to mind. Um, a couple first-rounders for Lucic and Sakara that didn't uh, turn into a re-signing and retention of that player, and the two young prospects were maybe not A-grade prospects, but certainly certainly assets that obviously the Kings aren't re-signing Bishop. Okay, so the prospects you gave away are gone. And you're not going to get anything back out of that. So I did, I scratch my head at it. I don't, you know, I don't think they addressed what they, they should have addressed. I'm not Dean Lombardi. So, um, I know he has a lot of faith in the core of the team, maybe not a lot of faith in, in quick coming back from the injury. So, you know, the public stance was that it's just insurance against that. But if you think you're a, a Stanley cup team and you need you know, a goaltending insurance against quick reaggravating his injury, I think you're mistaken. Um I I just I don't see this team doing that at this point in time. So that's my take on it. I I'm not you know, I didn't go woohoo or anything like that. Here we go. i g I, I'm on record saying I don't think they're doing anything and I don't think these these uh these moves do anything. To change my opinion on that, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and in terms, of, I, I can only speak to the defensive prospect they gave up in the deal. I think the Hockey News had him ranked as the Kings' seventh-ranked prospect, and it, it's not like the Kings. I mean, by by many accounts, if you go from the Hockey News to all these different, you know, really good sites that does, uh, farm system prospect lists per team, you know, the Kings are in the bottom five, unfortunately. So, I, I don't think they gave, you know, they might have, uh, the worst case scenario is that player could turn out to be, I think, a third pairing defenseman. Not that there's, you know, something to see that, but, uh, and maybe they can trade Bishop, you know, in that window that last week where teams have a pending UFA and they want that exclusive rights and flip him for a third or fourth round pick kind of thing. So,
2: uh, and recoup it that way. But uh, I guess the, the other story, uh, And, you know,
0: with Colorado, they say their asking price wasn't met, so they stand in pat, um, which on its own merits, one could understand, but it's still a little head-scratching because two months ago, Joe Sakic announced to everyone that everyone in his organization is available except for three players, and then set a – it's, you know, it, it, setting a high bar for Duchesne and Landeskog makes sense, but setting a bar where a team would have to drastically overpay uh, to get those players, it, it's just not going to happen in this day and age. And I know there's a lot of people out there who believe that, well, I think the smart money is to wait to, the, wait to June and there'll be more teams involved. You know, they had, a, in a way, they, had a, 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 a cor- they cornered the market, if you will. Right now, if you wanted, uh, if there was a team out there who wanted to land an impactful scorer, um, not just for now but going forward, you know, it's a short list, and it really began and ended with Colorado. You know, come June, who knows? Maybe Tampa Bay gets involved. I mean, there could be there could be a couple more teams. Um, also, too, in the offseason, teams tend to look at their, you know, the Stanley Cup will be over. Uh, The playoffs would not be directly in front of them. That's when teams uh, really kind of go for it a little more and are willing to give up that extra prospect. We saw that with the Minnesota Wild. Um, You know, people like uh, the Canadians or certain guys, like uh, their top prospects, Serkachev or the Islanders with Matthew Barzell, all of a sudden they say, there's no way we're going to trade them now. We want to see what they can can be. So I don't know if that was really the greatest tack to take, uh, time will tell. Um, but uh, yeah, it was always quite. It was a bit odd for the team that is clearly the worst team in the league. Uh, I think they made really one trade in, in Jerome McGidla for a fourth round pick. But um, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. I don't know how you felt about uh, the Avalanche.
1: Um, I think it was just a case of. of- you know everyone's available. I uh, let's see what we can get, and nothing much ado do about nothing. I wanted to. I wanted to say I really like the what Hansel does for Minnesota. They're already uh, in the Cappard seat uh, playoff position wise, if you will. But uh, I, I I like how they got deeper down the middle with that six, six, 235. That's uh, a nice. And you know, 16 goals this year, 18 goals this year, whatever it is. Um, I, I like the addition to Minnesota. That might that might really pay dividends come playoff time. I want to get your take on on Hansel to the Wild. I like that deal.
0: Yeah, and getting Ryan White in the deal again. They wanted to improve right. their third and fourth line, so they they picked up two guys. Then they can stretch certain guys in there who they have on their third line to their fourth, so they can feel like they can go four deep. Obviously, they paid a a high price for it, uh, you know, renting those two players for the draft picks they gave up was quite honestly ridiculous But uh, on on its own. But they're at a, play, a point in time with their franchise where they legitimately have a chance to win the Cup this year. And so they're not going to let a, a second round or two second rounds or even a first round pick get in the way of that. And I think that they just became, um, you know, these guys per se are not difference makers. But with the team that they already have, uh, they're going to be, you know, they made themselves a little bit of more of a tough, tougher out, and they're already a, a tough out. So, uh, and then one thing to consider too is the draft picks are over three years, so it's not like they're giving up. They gave away, you know, their 2017 draft and. They have in, they have a very strong prospect pipeline knocking on the door, and they have a lot of depth in their NHL roster. So kudos to them for recognizing they're at a point in time where they can afford. There's very few teams who could could do this, but they could afford to trade a one and looks like you know possibly two twos uh, to get to Randall Hansel and Randall Ryan White. I mean, it's clear to me after the deadline with the moves that the Hawks made and uh, uh, San Jose picking up Jansen to help their bottom six, though I would be very surprised if one of those three teams are not not representing the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup Finals.
1: Well, I agree, and let's uh, let's see what Dana Lane thinks about that. Uh, welcome to the show, Dana. It's good to talk to you. We're going to get more than two and a half minutes in this week. I did fix all my my uh, little picadillos that I had working here in the system last week. Good to talk to you, sir.
2: Good. You're good to talk to you, too, man. How, how was the week treating you?
1: Um, it was actually a horrible week, but uh, we're talking hockey now, and I did finally straighten some stuff out on Friday <laughs> that uh, – took care of the deal long long story short i was gonna i was looking then to move into a different house and and it was all set up and i dropped a a bunch of money down and went over there and it was a sewer and they decided they didn't want to refund my money or terminate my lease so i had to get lawyer involved And and friday i went down and got my money back so uh, long long story short it was a stressful week but everything turned out okay and we anyway we were just talking about uh the, the two big deals, I guess, would be uh, Hansel to the Wild and Shattenkirk to the Caps. And just uh, real quick, your perspective on, on which of those two deals will probably make a better impact for their teams going into the playoffs here.
2: Uh, probably, you know, I really like the Shattenkirk deal. Um, I, I think Hansel, obviously, I, I thought like probably many, he would fit better in Montreal. But I love, excuse me, that's my alarm. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I thought I think when you add him to a defense that arguably was already the best in the league, uh, that potentially can make them better. And the reason why I say potentially is every time that you move any pieces around, despite what it says on paper, there's still a period of getting used to each other and getting into a groove, a groove that you were in before the arrival of Shattenkirk. So let's see how these things. Uh, play out. I don't think anybody pushed themselves from where they are, maybe to another level. I, I'm still trying to wrap my arms around Los Angeles and what their open their ultimate plan is. Um, but uh, you know, hey, look, uh, good for Martin Handel. And uh, here's the difference, though: come from organizations that are not used to winning on a night-in, night-out basis, are now all of a sudden expected to win on a night-in, night-out basis. And now let's see how they respond to those expectations.
1: Now, that's a, that's a real good point. We were talking about the Kings and, and uh, the Bishop deal and the again deal. I'm, and, and, you know, I'm a Kings fan and it, it just leaves me scratching my head. I'm not uh, not sold. I don't know. Um, I, I heard you and Brian on the Vegas Hockey Hotline this week talking about uh the tail end of that that Bishop deal. And I didn't get anything where, you know, maybe Bishop to the Vegas Golden Knights during the UFA signing window and that would keep the Kings from taking anybody else off the Kings roster. And what your guys' opinions on something like that happening, are either one of you guys high on a Bishop to the Knights thing?
2: You know what? I? You know, if we go through that a little bit, probably more so me than Brian. And he's just not on – well, I struggle with a couple things. First of all, would I love a guy like Ben Bishop and his pedigree here? Absolutely I would. But then I'm looking at a guy like Scott Darling, and although we have not seen what he would do if he was given to the given the keys to the car, we do see him in a position where Joel Quimble is willing to put him in a game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that tells me a lot about how – you know, he feels about him. And, you know, to me, the guy's making next to nothing. He is young. He'll be here for a long period of time. And every time that you hear George McPhee talk about what they want to do with this team, you know, he always talks about guys that are going to be here for a little bit. Either they're going to grow with the team or you're going to get pieces that are, are going to be uh, able to be given to other teams to, to get draft picks. So I mean I think a lot of these guys in the entry draft is going to be basically pawns uh, to get the real team that we're going to move forward. But I, I look at uh, I look at a few of these goaltenders around the league and I'm thinking, geez, you know, if there was a time where I, I I have bounced around my thought process to who I'd want here. Um, I'm willing to give Scott Darling a chance only because. You're not gonna I don't you know outside of getting a guy like Ben Bishop, I think what we're gonna end up with is a is a B and a b a guy. And what I mean is not a you know a and a one guy like we we like to talk about sometimes. So I think you'll get a guy that's right. a you know very serviceable guy. But at the same time, I don't think your second goaltender is going to be that far behind. So if we have that scenario, I have no problem with Darling being one of those goaltenders because we have a guy right behind him that could be as effective.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think um, I don't know. I'm I'm on the go ahead and and at least kick the tires on Bishop, see what. Uh, you know it's going to be probably his last contract so you have that window where you can negotiate with the free agents and i think you got to at least kick the tires with the agent see what he's asking for and you know you're already going to have a a real good idea of what your roster is going to look like and how that's going to fit with the salary cap of the players you get or the players you're going to target and then you go ahead and take scott darling maybe the kid in washington um a couple other people i have my eye on too but um if if you do get a bishop and then you go ahead and take Darling and the kid in Washington, you can always dangle Darling at the draft, the amateur draft in a few days and and pick up a couple more assets that way. Um, you know, McPhee's gonna have uh you know an everlasting gobstopper, <laughs> an all-day sucker there for about a week of of things that he can do. And um I, I would at least kick the tires. I, I'm a bishop fan. I think he brings obvious – Eastern Conference Championship and Stanley Cup experience, two-time Vezina Trophy finalist. He's only thirty years old, so I think I think you go ahead and and at least explore that deal because I think talent-wise, he's probably the the best goalie that you would have the exclusive rights to uh, to get your hands on at that point in, in the season. I know Chris has another question about the expansion. Chris, jump on in, man. Hey, Janet, great to have
0: hey, Chris. you back. Uh, I, you know, I don't know about you, Dana. There was one deal in particular, and maybe there was a couple more that you spotted that uh, I thought will, will greatly impact the expansion draft at the deadline, and that was, you know, Filippola moving from Tampa to Philly, and Filippola had that no-move clause, so he had to be protected unless he waived it uh, by sure. Tampa. And, and, in fact, they had a done deal supposedly with Toronto with Filippola, and he said, no, I don't want to go there. And he agreed to go to Philly. And what that does from so the Vegas perspective, as you know, is it opened up a protection spot. And now a kind guy of like, let's say, Alex Kilhorn is now going to get protected. And, you know, there's still a uh, forward or two on that roster that, that's still going to help Vegas, I believe, but got downgraded a bit. Uh, you know, I know you've you've preached from going back to the summer. Well, let's at least wait to the NHL trade deadline to get a look at everything before doing any mocks. Uh, your thoughts on that deal, and was there any others that kind of jumped out at you like that?
2: Um, well, as far as how it's going to affect Vegas, um, that's really something I'm going to dive into this week. I mean, we're really going to talk about you know who's out there. We just want to kind of let the residue of the week kind of settle and you know see where we're at at this point. But it's a I, hey, look, I don't think I don't think Eisenman's done. You know, I I think that he will be making deals with Las Vegas, and and he uh, has already shown a propensity for being able to free up cap space when we look at their at their situation and think there's no way to do that. Um, You know, for me though, I think the the one thing about and I guess this was kind of confusing this week too because we talked him you know at at nauseum about you know, hey, it's great that the Vegas Knights got in under the deadline, you know, I guess with, uh, you know, 35 minutes ago or so. Um, but, I, but for me, you know, I just think is going to sit back with all his cards until he's forced to go to the table and then set him down and see what he's got. I, I just don't even foresee, if I'm George, I anticipate these moves. You, you have to. I mean, when you draft guys from certain, certain organizations, he has been around this game long enough to know what certain GMs probably will do. And so I don't think it comes as a big shock, the shock that maybe Phil Pella is not there anymore. You have to anticipate that these sort of things are going to happen. And I think for George, I don't think there's any urgency for him to do any deals. I think when it comes to that period where he's able to go out and get free agents um, before the, the actual expansion draft, I think he's going to have all his cards intact, and I just don't think there's going to be any deals that are made. So, as far as you know, guys that uh, got moved, that I think that it would potentially affect Las Vegas. I'll have a better answer for that uh, next week when I really dive into that. But you know, in all fairness, just on the outside, without doing that, I'm not sure that there was too much effect on what the Golden Knights are going to do.
0: Yeah, just a real jump, uh, real quick. I heard in a recent interview with McPhee about two weeks ago, and he anticipated in that small window between the Cup final ending and the expansion draft, where trades can be made. He expected a lot of moves, and it dawned on me for his for his staff that you know they're not going to have okay for Tampa. We're looking at player A and player B, or for the Islanders, we're looking at uh, these two players. I think for each team, they're probably Five deep, you know. Believe it or not, in terms for of potential sure. <laughs> players that they could select, simply because the, you know, I can guarantee you, I, I'm I'm sure Vegas would love for Philip Grubauer to be a Washington Capital, and uh, that would be beyond shocking when you have teams like Dallas and Arizona and Calgary who are going to be really looking for a future number one goalie potentially. And he's going to get moved in 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 the all in that window. So, uh, like for instance, I don't think he'll, if he's there, great, but I would say the odds of that are pretty small. So uh, I, I still think that, it, you know, doing a, doing a mock, is, there's got to be a lot more pieces moved.
2: Well, listen, he, he, says that he says that they spend 10 to 12 hours when they do these mock drafts. And I know that if you're going through, especially at this point in time, I know that if you're going through these things, it doesn't take that long. So what is the, what's, what else is going on? And I can only anticipate that it is uh, a game of anticipation. So I'm, I'm, like you said, I'm sure there are a bunch of different scenarios that are lined up. That if this happens, we're going to take this guy, and that's, you know, to me, I don't think anything changed really for what what they're doing. I think they're just on to the next guy. I mean, let let's be honest about this. Everybody is is going to. It's not just Tampa Bay. They are going to try to give the least amount that they can to Las Vegas, and they've had a lot of time to prep for this. And um, I, I think that George McPhee has probably anticipated the players that would be available.
1: I think one of the most. Uh... You know, when they announced that the paperwork had finally got done and, and they were actually officially a team, it was like, you know, you got the same congratulatory tweets and stuff that we were getting. And for me, it was just like opening a present on Christmas that you already knew what was inside. Um, but the one effect that that really does have is that now they can get permission to speak with people around the league from uh, let's say a Lindy Ruff perspective I think the writing's on the wall that obviously Lindy won't be back in Dallas next next week and I know you're high on Lindy um, has there been any rumblings or have you heard anything yet about getting getting permission to speak with the staff of other other franchises yet?
2: Well they've been really tight lips about that as you know and I haven't heard right. you know, outside of what we've brought up about Lindy Ruff because we're just trying to put one on one together um, there there's been absolutely no word about that. I mean, um uh, I think that it would when Julian was available, I thought that there was a the process has probably started to maybe talk to them, but that's got squashed early. Uh we do know that a that a uh discussion with Gallant and, and Capilano has taken place. So that is basically, you know, all that has come out of this. But I but honestly, I you know, McPhee says he's got a short list. And we have not heard anybody else come out and I, and I'm trying to anticipate what short list means. And I think that basically just means we're really waiting again, the same way we're doing with our players to see the complete landscape before we make a decision on who we want to actually have coach this team. And, you know Brian and I are on different philosophies on this because Brian says, you know we we should get a guy in here that you know is fresh and, and is not a retread, as he says. and 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 from my perspective, you better get a guy in here that's got some some mileage on him because there's a respect level that would dilute the the label of expansion. When, when free agents are looking at coming to Las Vegas, they can say, well, geez, George McPhee went there. Lindy Ruff went there. There must be something going on there other than them, you know, having this five-year building process of this expansion team. And I just think, you know, if you have a guy that comes from the A or, you know, some, some, guy, some assistant that, you know, Mark Crawford or, you know, whoever, I, I just don't think that carries the same weight as a Lindy Ruff coming here and saying, I believe in Las Vegas.
1: No I'm hundred percent on board with you in that respect um, the there was a lot of, of the same talk about getting a GM who's who's a great assistant yes, and there was course. and, and um, no George McPhee was the right pick and the experience factor as has proven out already um, that I think I'm with you that we need a head coach that has solid NHL experience um, right now Lindy's Can my, I just offer? my my t- sure.
2: Let, let me offer this on McPhee. Not only is he going to do a fantastic job as a general manager and has the has brought the pedigree to do so, but the one thing that he has done has also been he is a stabi- stabilizing figure in that organization where you have some people doing things in areas that they have not done before, and he is a beacon of strength in that organization right now so not only is he going to be fantastic at his job but he also kind of stabilizes things as well
1: now and that's what you need in a head coach at the same time because you're going to have people on the coaching staff who are if you get them from other teams they're going to be elevated into positions that they haven't done yet and i that's why i agree with you that you need a head coach who's been there done that and if you do go for some of the up-and-coming assistants to fill out his his you know, his coaching staff. Um, that's why you need that, that experienced helm master, if you will. Well, I see our guest, Anthony Pagliarulo, on the line right now. Dana, real quick, uh, about 30 seconds, give me your Saturday night special.
2: Uh, let's see. Tonight we're going to go Buffalo under. That was my write-up on SBR picks. Uh, we're going to go Buffalo under the total tonight against Tampa Bay. Uh, these are two teams that I think are going to come out and give their best effort because let's be honest with you, uh, if you're being real about this, this is an elimination game between these two teams. So I think we're going to have a, a tight defensive effort, so we'll go under the five and a half, and I think it's minus $1. twenty-five right now.
1: I like it. I like it. All right, Dana, good stuff, man. We'll talk to you next week, sir. Thanks again.
2: Okay, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Dana.
1: All right, let me bring in Anthony Anthony Paguerillo, APAGS87 on Twitter. He covers the Boston Bruins for thehockeywriters.com. Anthony, thank you for taking part of your Saturday out to talk a little Boston Bruins hockey with us, sir. Thanks
3: for having me on, sir. It's good to be here.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's jump right in. I guess the uh, first I want to go back a couple weeks and, and, uh, Talk a little bit about the Claude Julian dismissal and what your opinion on that was. Was it premature? Was it timely? What, did it come a little bit late? And then a little bit, how have they been playing since then and what their plans are going forward in the head coaching position?
3: Um, yeah, of course. Uh, the Claude Julien thing was uh, was big news, obviously, here in Boston. We um, When Julian wasn't fired at the beginning of last season, a lot of people thought, he would uh, he he would um, stay this whole season and see what happens. But um, it was it was probably time for him to go. I was a big Claude Julien supporter, but it was um, the team wasn't playing well, and you could tell there was no energy. They weren't starting games off very well. A lot of the younger guys uh, told us they weren't very happy, so it's probably time for for Julien to go. Um, and the the move overall, if they were if they knew they were going to make it to management. Uh, it probably came a little too late because the team, since he's been fired, is now 7-2 and two with um, losses only to the Rangers and the Ducks. So they're playing extremely well under new coach Bruce Cassidy.
1: Has there been a change and, um, in style or just a change in energy?
3: Um, it's, it's been both. It's been both. So they're, they're starting the games off with more energy and they, they scored the first goal, I think, um, in like six of the last eight games Have scored first, which is something they hadn't been doing before. Um, and the the pace of play is way up. So Cassidy is, um, giving the boys more energy and he's, uh, letting them open the game up offensively a little bit. The, um, forwards are rushing out of the zone and breakouts earlier. The, uh, the defense is, um, jumping up into rushes a lot more often, and they're getting pucks to the slot area a lot more often than they were under Claude. Claude had them um, taking shots from the point a lot more often, and now under Cassidy, they're sliding the pucks into the the high slot, and they're getting high-quality scoring chances consistently.
1: Well, let me bring in my co-host, Chris. Chris, uh, jump right in, buddy.
0: Hey, Anthony. Great to have you on the show. Uh, I don't think I'm breaking any ground here saying that the the Bruins' blue line is, uh, you know, their the weakest part of their roster. Uh, are they st- strong enough back there, a, to, to make the playoffs, and, and b, uh, to make a to at least uh, make a run in the playoffs? How do you feel about that?
3: Um, the, the defense is certainly strong enough to get into the playoffs. I, I think they will be a playoff team the way they're playing now. Um, Charis is leading the way. He's uh, He's had some mistakes recently, but, I mean, he still plays a lot of heavy minutes. Uh, Brandon Carlo had his struggles, but he's, he's starting to get his groove back uh, as a rookie. Um, Tory Krug and Adam McQuaid have been solid as well. Krug's offense has been electric lately. And McQuaid and Kevin Miller have been <clears throat> playing good uh, in-zone defense as of late. Um, in terms of making a run, in uh, depending on who they play in the first round, I think they can maybe win, win one round. But as far as going past second round, I don't I don't think they have the defense to do that.
0: You know, the Atlantic, uh, Anthony, is, is really much, uh, muy, uh, very much up in the air, unlike any other division. I mean, at this point in time, I don't think anyone can clearly say, A, who will win the division, let alone, you know, a guarantee of a team to be in the top three, which is pretty remarkable. How do you size up the Atlantic in terms of, you know, if you were to put a, uh, your $2 wager down today, who do you think is going to win the division? Who's going to get the three automatic spots? Uh, and, you know, obviously there's a couple teams also fighting for the fight for the wild card spot. How do you, how do you, how do you uh, feel that for breaking down?
3: Um, I'd actually stay a little boring on that right now, thought I was putting some money down on it. I'd say uh, the Senators are probably going to jump the Canadians and win the division. They're, they're only a handful of points behind the Haynes right now with a few games in hand, and they seem to be playing well. And then I'd say the, the two and three seed go to the Montreal and the Bruins. Um, I don't think uh, Florida and uh, Toronto have what it takes to jump into the top three of the Atlantic right now. Um, but I can see I can see Florida maybe jumping into the wild card spot over the Islanders. But as, after that, I don't think Toronto is playing well enough right now to to get in at the end of the season here, but Florida got some of their uh, injured players back and they're, they have a good record in the last 10 of six, three and one. So I, I think if I was gonna put money down, I'd put Ottawa Canadians and Bruins in the top three with, uh, Florida in the wild card.
1: So, uh, what you're saying is you don't, you don't think the, you don't think the Dwight King deal is going to push the Canadians over the top,
3: huh? (laughs) The Dwight King deal. Uh, (laughs) (laughs)
1: What should they pick up? They,
3: They picked up, uh, They've picked up um, Steve Ott too. Him Ott and Gallagher in the same line. Oh, he smokes.
1: Yeah, right. And your old friend Claude Julien, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. How yeah, does we,
1: that? How does that? Got, how does that dynamic yeah. fit with Boston Nation?
3: Uh, it's it's funny. A lot of people are happy that Claude found a new job, but a lot of people are extremely upset that uh, Don Sweeney and Cam Neely allowed the Canadians to even talk to to Claude Julien. Because right. uh, you, you don't really want your coach going to your arts rival obviously. No, no one's blaming Claude for jumping ship because he was with the Canadians before he's with the Bruins. Um, and we all knew he'd find a job within the next month or so if there was one available. But there was other options besides Montreal for the team to let him to go to. So a lot of people are upset with the Bruins management itself for allowing that to happen. So, Anthony,
0: you know, the trade deadline just passed. You know the Bruins added Drew Stafford to kind of round out the the bottom six. Were you uh, surprised that they didn't uh, pick up a defenseman, uh, granted a rental, or try to improve the backup goalie? Obviously, they probably didn't want to part with some of those precious second or third round picks. I get, but uh, were they surprised they didn't didn't pick up a goalie? Um,
3: I'll tell you what the the trade deadline around here was very nerve wracking because last season. Uh, Sweeney elected to pick up John Michael Wiles and Lee Stepniak, two rental players for four draft picks that didn't pan out at all. So we, a lot of people around here expected, um, didn't know what to expect to say, actually, because uh, we weren't sure if Sweeney was going to sell or buy. Um, in terms of what they did do, we're all very happy that uh, he elected to only buy Drew Stafford for a six-round pick, nothing, nothing um, too expensive there and didn't really give up any future prospects or draft picks. Um, in the goalie department, there's, as far as I know, there's really no solid backup goalies available out there. And Anton Kudobin has played well since he came back from the AHL. Um, he's won his last two games. Uh, he's starting tonight, actually, against the Devils. So we'll see how he does there. So they, they probably could have used a backup goalie, but it's probably something to visit in the off-season and not betray a deadline. And in terms of defensemen, I know they had, they were looking at, uh, Kulikov or Kulikov, I'm not sure I you say his name. Um, and they were looking at him, but I guess the price was too high and they backed out, which was wise because th- there is no, no player in the market this year that would make them a, like a serious cop contender like the New York Rangers or Columbus Blue Jackets or Washington Capitals of the world. So, um, yeah, so that,
0: would have, that, that would have been a big, good pickup for them. Kulikov. I wonder what the, the heating wind up getting moved at all. So, uh, uh, you, it's kind of surprising that they couldn't have settled. You know, maybe a third-round pick might have been uh, a fair price. But, I, again, the Bruins probably didn't want to give up anywhere in the top three uh, top three rounds.
3: No, definitely not. Um, the the sixth-round pick was fine. Um, I actually was hoping they'd sell more players. I, I was hoping they'd maybe try to shop uh, John Michael Wiles or Matt Bolesky or or uh, Joe Morrow. But they ended up... Uh, and not moving anybody, and just adding staff in which ways. In uh, my mind, which was a, g- a good deal to make. He's going to play in the third line tonight with Ryan Spooner and Frank Petrano. and uh, we'll see if he can shore up the bottom six forward group a little bit more.
1: Well, let me. We're, we're talking with Anthony Pagliarulo on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. He writes for the, the the hockey writers covering the Boston Bruins. And again, you can catch him. He links all his stuff on Twitter at apags87. Um, I wanted to go back a couple years. I'm a Kings fan, and in the Milan Lucic deal, um, they sent Colin Miller over, and he had won the fastest skater and the hardest shot in the AHL All-Star game that season. And Kings Nation was kind of pretty high on him being uh, kind of an a up-and-coming, let's say, second-pair, 4-5 or five defense prospect. Is Is he... How how is he viewed now in in the Bruins organization?
3: Uh, within the Bruins organization, he's he's looked at amongst the fans as a very good player. I don't think management has actually decided um, what they think of Miller yet. He plays on their third pairing um, with Kevin Miller. Uh, his, he plays very well offensively. Has that incredible hard slap shot, and he takes a lot of risks. And sometimes those risks um, lead to odd man rushes and goals on the other side. So, at certain times, he has to be roped in and told to, to you know stop being so aggressive. Um, fans sure. here love him because he's fast, he's flashy, he's got the shot. Uh, I think management is still trying to decide exactly what they have in Colin Miller if they have a, uh, a, a number four defenseman or if they have a bottom pairing defenseman that they might want to move in the future.
1: As far as uh, just the perception
3: of, of that
1: whole deal, I imagine. Bruins fans obviously think that they won that that deal given that the Kings did not retain Milan. Is that a fair statement to make? I know Milan Luch is beloved and but uh and I'm going back a couple of years, but but uh if you were gonna if you were gonna let me say that you guys got the better end of that, do you agree?
3: Um, it, at this point, I would say definitely because of the timing of the trade. Um, the, the Bruins weren't going to sign Neil Lucic over $6 million after that, and he was a Jim free agent that summer. So I would say they won the deal because he needed to go. Um, in terms of the Boston fans loving Lucic, it's it split down the middle 50-50. Personally, I thought he was a great player for the Bruins, but a lot of people um, wanted him out of Boston long before he actually left. But uh in terms of the timing of the deal and the money that the Bruins would have had to owe him, um, I would say they came out on top of that deal for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah only only like uh the Edmonton were going to give him a six year million dollar deal at this point in his career. Yeah. But I will say his 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 experience and his leadership abilities probably are a big reason why Edmonton is where they are in the standings right now.
3: I would say so. I, it's being on the uh, East Coast. I've only seen maybe two Oiler games this season, but uh, I've, I've been told Lucic is playing pretty well out there. Uh, I think he was playing with McDavid the last time I I checked, and he was getting a good amount of goals because McDavid was feeding him the puck. But they got a good young group over right, there right. Edmonton, and someone like Luci should come in even even just to protect McDavid against big hits. If he's this presence on the ice, just to to move some people around, should help that organization a whole lot.
1: Uh, I agree I agree hundred percent um i was I was upset that the kings weren't able to work something out with them but let's uh let's hit up the vegas angle here before before we have to jump off um as far as the expansion draft goes what uh what format do you think the Bruins are gonna take uh seven three or four four and and who do you think for the the vegas faithful here to to, to look at on the bottom
3: Um, I, would, I would say the Bruins are, are definitely going to go with a seven forwards, three defensemen uh, deal. I think most teams in the league will. It just seems to make the most sense. Um, it's really up in the air as to who Vegas should select from the Bruins. So there's going to be a lot of pretty solid options, and it's going to depend on what they end up looking for, depending on what they get from other teams. Like Right now, the Bruins' protective have uh, David Krejci, Priest Bertrand, David Baggis, and Zeno Chara are all protected. Um, right. And available players, you could end up having Matt Boleski exposed, Jimmy Hayes exposed, uh, Riley Nash, Colin Miller, Kevin Miller, Adam McQuaid. Um, those guys seem to be the, the, the top six, I would say, that are going to be exposed. Um, if they're looking for a defenseman, I think Adam McQuaid is going to end up being exposed because the Bruins are going to have to move him eventually, either him or Kevin Miller and he's gonna be thirty one next year and they might elect to move on from him via the draft. Uh for forwards. Um, if they end up looking for a forward from Boston, I would I would say Matt Bolesky might be the one they end up grabbing because yeah. um I, I don't I don't think after this year he's not been playing well here in Boston this season. He almost doesn't even look like he wants to play here. Um so and he's been benched a lot. Uh, so I I think he might be the high profile name on that list that might draw Vegas' attention. Um, earlier this season, though, um, all the experts and critics out there were saying uh, Malcolm Subban was going to be the guy that Vegas was going to want from Boston, uh, the goalie that he plays in the AHL right now. Right. Uh, you guys in Vegas, know. if 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 they end up taking him, I would I'd be very concerned for you guys.
1: I don't like that pick. There's plenty of goaltenders available. I mean, we were just talking with Dana Lane, owner of Dana Lane Sports here in Las Vegas, in his weekly segment, and we were going down the 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 Ben Bishop. The Kings are going to have, or not the Kings, the Knights are going to have the the exclusive free agent negotiating rights for him before the expansion draft. You've got Scotty Darling out there, um, the the Grubauer kid. Um, there's a lot of I, I think goalie. And, and mid, mid-level defensemen are going to be the strength of what they can get out of out of And, and I, I, I don't see him taking a chance on on a prospect like Subban, who did come up, have a cup of coffee, and if I remember right, didn't really impress. Am I wrong there?
3: Uh, no. He, he's played two NHL games. has gotten pulled twice. Um, the first time he lasted into maybe the first five minutes of the second period and then the next time he lasted uh, some somewhere down the line, the whole second period maybe. But gave up three goals right. each time on very few shots. He, uh, he he put up some good numbers in the AHL last season before he um, got uh, an injury when he took a, a shot to the throat. But um, this season he's been playing terrible, and he's not the starter down in Providence anymore. Zane McIntyre has taken that role. Um, Subban is an athletic freak. He can... He can make up for a bad positioning just by his pure athleticism, but he can't read the game very well. It looks like. like at the NHL level, he doesn't seem to track the puck very well. He doesn't seem to know where the next pass may or may not go to anticipate where he has to slide. So I don't, I don't think he's ever going to work out in the NHL level. So I mean, if, if Vegas wants him, uh, we'd be more than happy <laughs> to let him go. But uh, I just, I just don't think it makes sense for like that was early in the season. I haven't checked any mock drafts in a while. But I I would be really surprised if Vegas was even looking at him at this point.
1: No, so I I agree with that. Especially,
3: um, I I like the young defensemen
1: that are going to be available, and that, that might be a pocket to be picked right there if they do go seven three. Um, they they much much better prospects on their NHL roster to get get their hands on than there is down down in the A with Mister Subban. Um, well, before we let you go, I want to check it, check in with Chris here. Chris, you got anything else for Anthony today?
0: Yeah, it was great to have him on. Um, I, I I kind of think myself that Vegas is looking at the trio of Nash, Bolesky, and Colin Miller. I think uh, Bolesky obviously hasn't had a good year, but you know, a guy who had a recently going into this year, I think the last two years scored between fifteen to twenty goals and considering he signed for three more years with a $3.8 million cap hit, which is not terrible. I don't know. Maybe that would, I don't think the Bruins would be so upset because the depth that they have at forward and they give them cap relief. I wonder if Vegas could work out, uh, you know, picking up a draft pick, nothing too crazy, but maybe they say, I'll tell you you what, we'll take Bolesky and you give us a third kind of thing. Uh, uh, but, um, I don't know how Anthony, if Anthony would uh, sign off on that, and uh, but it's been great having them on.
3: Um, at, at at this point, I would sign off on Matt Boesky taking off because the Bruins have so many prospects coming up through the system that moving a left wing uh, wouldn't be such a bad thing, especially one not playing well. And like you said, it's three point eight million dollar cap hit. Would be a nice relief for the team moving forward.
0: Well, I'm I'm out in Long Island, New York, Anthony, and I'm keeping an eye on. Probably your best prospect in the system, Charlie McAvoy, who uh, grew up about 15 minutes away uh, from where I live. So I'm uh, really rooting for him. Uh, it looks like he's going to be a good one.
3: Oh, definitely. I'm a, personally I'm a Boston College fan, so uh, hit the fact that he's so good on BU. It's kind of kind of bothers me, but he he should be <laughs> he should be good moving forward. I uh, he's he's struggling a little bit lately. I went to a couple BU games uh, over the past few weeks and. He 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 was still playing well, but he wasn't as the dominant force he was at the end of the season. So I'll have to keep an eye on that for sure. Well, a well, long world, season uh, too for know.
1: him. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, I was going to say the same thing, and Chris. That gold left, medal right? around his neck might be slowing him down just a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh definitely! That was insane. His performance at the Juniors. He was out of his mind. Um, he at times he reminded me of a very young Drew Dowdy watching the way he was playing. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal oh, prospect, and he's he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be good for a long time.
3: Definitely, we. It's time will tell if he's gonna come up next year or the year after. But a lot of people think he should join the Bruins roster um, after this EU season.
1: Is he a senior?
3: Uh, he's, only a no. yeah. Yeah, he's only a sophomore. Yeah, he's only a sophomore. He's a young sophomore. too. He's a, I think he was a 17-year-old freshman, and I think he's only 18 right, right. years a sophomore now. Mm. So, I I mean, think he's probably on top of the fact lead. that he's, yeah, he's dominating at a No, game. no, I'm it's sorry. Gonna,
0: yeah, I was just going to say, I'm probably going to need at least one more year. Uh, the question with him is, I feel pretty confident in his all-around game. That he's going to be a a, a strong second pairing defenseman. And the question is, will he be that, or will he be an elite for? Or will he hit his ceiling of being a first pairing defenseman? Either way, you're going to get a good player. Just how good?
3: Oh, definitely. Um, I think at this point, keeping your expectations a little lower at a second pairing defenseman would just mm-hmm. just help the uh, help your <laughs> mindset in general. Um, he. When when he does come up, if he does have a thought next year or the year after, he's still going to be um, either 19 or 20 years old. He's gonna he's not going to look good for a little while. I don't think he's going to take some time for him to learn. I don't think he's going to jump into the NHL game and be a, a force right away. I think he's going to do kind of what Carlos is doing this year: come out strong, and then when the grind of the season starts to get to you, you start to slow down, you start to make mistakes, and then when you get a break, like a bye week or the All Star break, uh, you come back strong again once you recover. So uh, I I don't I think it's going to take some time for him to be be an elite force like it does for all the defensemen, but um, I would I would hope he's at least a, a good number three defenseman at at the worst, you know.
1: I, I think I think he's going to hit that ceiling and, and maybe a little higher myself. I I really like that World Junior uh, performance. If he can get to to you know translate that into the National Hockey League, it's going to be it's going to be uh, pork chops and applesauce for Mr. McAvoy.
0: I actually have one uh, last qu- quick question for Anthony. Anthony, have you seen a lot of Kiefer Bellows this year who was a first round pick uh in 2016? Uh, I believe he's is he on uh is he on BU as well?
3: Uh who's, who who you like which player is that? I couldn't hear you.
0: Uh Kiefer, Kiefer Bellows. Uh he was first round pick last Kiefer year. Bellows.
3: Yeah, he's he's on uh, Boston University as well. Okay. Um Unfortunately, when I went to go watch them play uh, UMass Lowell a few weeks ago, um, he wasn't playing. I, I hadn't okay. seen much of Kiefer Bellows, but uh, you know, I, I know he's a solid player. He's talked about a lot. Um, I just, I, I just hadn't seen a whole lot of him play this year, unfortunately. No worries.
1: Well, all right. Th- thanks again for coming in, sir. We really appreciate your time and insight into the Boston Bruins. And we'll, when we get closer to the playoffs, we'd like to have you back on again if your schedule permits to uh, maybe maybe look at the Atlantic Division and how things shake down closer to the playoffs. Oh, definitely!
3: I, I'd love to come back on. Thanks
1: for having me today, fellas. Uh It's a good time. Thanks, good good time. All right, that was Anthony Pagli- Pagliarulo. Apag87 on Twitter. If you're a Boston Bruins fan, obviously, his insight into the team is. <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me Fantastic um, You're not going to go wrong With going over to hockeywriters.com And checking out all this content there So, Chris Break it down for us this week, sir uh,
0: In terms of what's coming up? Yes, sir uh, I believe, Are we doing a Leafs show next week, I believe?
1: We, we are Mr. Matt Robinson from Talkin uh, Radio okay, is, great. is going to jump in And help us out um, I saw the and Leafs doing play same, play same, the Kings. Same bad time, uh, same bad night.
0: channel, right?
1: Same bad time, same bad channel. Eleven thirty Pacific.
3: Okay.
1: Um, Two thirty Eastern. Um, I'll tell oh, you yeah, what, yeah. man. You, you. The the Maple Leafs really impressed me the other night. I saw them I saw him a bunch early in the season when everybody was high on on uh, you know putting putting the Leafs games on TV here in the United States uh because of Austin Matthews and and Marner and Nylander and and all all that and man they've come a long way since early in the season the the team speed toronto has um the kings were fortunate fortunate to get that game um most i mean the first and second period was 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 all toronto they were skating through the kings like like uh, two nothing going into the third they got two quick goals to start the third, but I I was really impressed with Toronto. And I want to get Matt's take on the growth of the youngsters over the season and, and how far he thinks that they can go. I I think they're going to be a playoff team from what I saw the other night. They had a couple, you know, not a lot. Most teams can't come through California and and pick up too many wins. So I'm not holding that against them, but, but man, they look good. The one
0: thing I, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the, 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 there's a number of teams fighting for both in the Atlantic for both the automatic spots, the top three, as well as the wild card. I guess uh, you know w- one of the pluses for, for the Islanders. Uh, just a quick word on them in terms of the Atlantic is unfortunately the Islanders they're really only fighting for the one spot. But uh, looking at the schedule recently, all these teams: Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Ottawa, Montreal they play each other quite a number of times. They have quite an, obviously, they're in division. They have somewhere, depending upon the team, anywhere from six to eight games left on their schedule. So as long as these games, you know, are especially ended in regulation, uh, they could be knocking each other off a a bit. Uh, So uh, it's going to be a real fun race coming down to probably the last day, like last year, but uh, still worried about their blue line in terms of, but now and going forward, that's definitely something that has to be addressed. I Bang that drum a lot over the last year or so. But yeah, definitely looking forward to having Matt uh, Robinson on another first time guest, as Anthony Pagliarula was, who was great. Uh, again, part of the hockeywriters.com, which uh, you can find our shows on as well. Uh, next week, uh, so we have Matt Robinson next week and a week after, I believe we're doing our expansion show.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to go through yeah. and uh, put together put together the roster for them, so they can take the rest of the rest of the next months off and just plug our picks right in. They'll be good to go.
0: Yeah. So that's that's so we maybe those not. and then <laughs> by that yeah and then by, him by and then at that point, uh, the end of March, we're really looking at what we're gonna have about ten days left of the regular season. So those two, next two shows yep. will focus on those last playoff races, if you, if you will. And then, and then it's the playoffs already, my friend.
1: I know. Today, um, I was listening to uh, one of, one of the analysts, and they were saying, "Well, you know, these next two games are pivotal, pivotal to the playoffs. If they don't, uh, if they can't get, you know, at least three points out of these, they're going to miss the playoffs." And I looked down and there's only 20 games left. I was like, I, I, for a second, I was like, what are they talking about? And, and yeah, there's only, there's only roughly 20 games left on the schedule. I would like to give a shout out to uh, Hall of Fame longtime announcer Bob Miller in Los Angeles due to health concerns. He did announce his retirement the other day. He's going to be broadcasting the last two games of the season, the Kings, one, one uh, with the Blackhawks and one with the Ducks. Um, Thank you, sir. It's a great career. Uh, the holy triumvirate of sports broadcasters that Los, Los Angeles had with Chickering, Vince Scully, and Bob Miller, and then um, that era is now coming to a close, sir. And it's with a heavy heart that that I wish Mr. Miller well in his retirement.
0: Yeah, and the, uh, who are the Kings got this week? Do you, do you know off the top of your head? I mean, obviously they're they're neck and neck with the Blues there for that last wild card, uh, last playoff spot. So uh, that's that should be an interesting uh, race. And I guess Winnipeg is can't rule them out yet as well.
1: Yeah, the, the um, they actually have they they started a seven game homestand. Um, oh, and with with a win, and then tonight. Tonight they have Vancouver. Okay. Uh, Nash- Nashville's coming in. Uh, tough game on the 11th with the Capitals, and then uh, the Blues, Coyotes, oh. and Sabers round out that oh. homestand. So I think this is it for the Kings. You need to you need you need to make hay on this homestand. You go Canucks, Preds, well Caps, Blues, Coyotes, Sabers, and then you're on the road. Uh, so, oh,
0: and they got, and they got the blues obviously. So that's, uh,
1: yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Game.
0: But yeah, they got, you know, uh, they have to, you know, take care of business tonight against Vancouver. Uh, how about that? It's win three of the next four, including the blues game. That's the way I would look at it. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, they always, they always play Washington tough anyway. I, I, I know Washington right now is, is, is a far better team, but, uh, I'm not going to count them out of that game, but you get three, three of your next four, and I mean, I got to say, you got to win the Coyotes game and you got to win the Sabers game to end the homestand. So I'm going to say they got to win six out of the, five out of the next six, and then yeah, see where see where things shake out. And then they're on the road in Calgary and Edmonton back to back, so that that also, and then the Jets right after that on. Back back right. in LA, but still, the it, it like like they were saying, there a lot of the teams in the playoff race in the West are also going to be playing each other head to head coming down the stretch. So, it's right there for them. Um, it, but it, it's they, they this week is is probably going to tell the tale for the Kings. How about your Islanders? How about Calgary? The way they,
0: yeah, this week they. Uh... They're past the halfway point on this nine-game road trip, which is kind of uh, a very important part of their season, um, believe it or not. And uh, I don't know what it is about since Doug Wade has taken over. I think they were either last in the Eastern Conference or second to last and going into action today, uh, Saturday the 4th. They, you know, barely, but they, they hold that second wild card spot. So if you would have said at that point in time that, you know, it, with 18 games, I believe they have left or 19 games, uh, one or the other, uh, to go, they, they would already be in that spot. And there was a lot of work left to do. You used to be like, where do I sign? So, uh, they, they have, uh, Calgary tomorrow after late tomorrow afternoon, Eastern time. Uh, and then they, I'm not sure which, what the order is off the top of my head, but they have Edmonton and Vancouver and then they finish in St. Louis and then they come home for a home and home with Carolina. So, uh, uh, that's the next uh, ten days for for the for the Isles. So we uh, also have a good new article up. We're going to do a quick plug at eyesonisles.com. dot uh, com. Garth wastes another opportunity about uh, the Islanders not making a move at, at the deadline. So check that out and I uh, hope you enjoy the enjoy the read. So I'm looking forward to next week's show and um, and thereafter, my friend.
1: Yeah, you didn't want to break down last night's game.
0: Look, what can you do? They're playing, you know, Rickets. one of those things. You know, I mean, they played a strong, you, you know, a it's ironic, you know. <laughs> I
1: yeah, sent
0: you a text. It's, it's kind of ironic. Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I saw it. It's just kind of, you know, the, it, 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 the NHL is kind of a strange league. You know, they win the night before. They did some good things. They did some sloppy things. They play a better game. The next night, obviously, going from Dallas to Chicago, not a short trip. Uh, I thought, they, you know, they played well, played well enough to win, uh, to say the least. Uh, just one of those things, you know, you take the point and you move on. So, uh, you know, very they're playing probably two of the hottest teams. I think the Hawks were 9-0 you know, in one in their last 10. And now they go to Calgary. So uh, they're 3-1-1 so far on this trip. So, so far, so good. And considering how poorly they've played on the road this year going into this long trip, uh, that's, a, that's a definitely a good start. But, again, every game is precious, especially in the Eastern Conference. We mentioned all those teams before. And Tampa's still not out of it. I wouldn't, you know, they, even though I think they're five points out of a playoff spot, but they're still not out of it as well. But, you know, the Islanders have a game in hand on Boston. They have a game in hand on Toronto. So uh, I think if at the end of the day, at the end of this, uh, or I should say at the end of this road trip, if they can be in the same spot that they are now, which is, you know, in the playoffs, even by a thread, uh, by a point or two, uh, especially if they had a game in hand at that point, uh, I on the fans should feel pretty good about that. Because this, this is a real, it's a long road trip. So, um, and Josh Hosong, uh, the 2014 first-round pick, made his NHL debut this week, wearing number sixty six. Looks like a yeah. player. Uh I'm not gonna go i I'm not gonna go too crazy. Uh but he looks like he belongs. He's got a lot of skill. He's a rookie obviously, and I think he can give him a, a, a bit of a spark as well, scoring on that uh secondary scoring maybe on those bottom two lines. So uh liked what I've seen so far from from him. So just gonna well, make the sure big, the, long the big... box
1: goal before him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big the big talk about him is the number. Should he wear should he wear Lemieux's number or not?
0: I think I believe he's worn it for most of his career, and he's doing it to honor Mario Lemieux.
3: So, for sure.
0: I mean, anytime someone someone's doing it to honor someone, um, I think it's a good thing. If it's something he's always, I believe it's he's always done. I, I was surprised that he wore that number too. I hadn't. I mean, I followed his career uh, since being drafted by the Islanders, but I, I didn't realize that there was that connection. So, you know, obviously Marielle Lemieux uh, had a great impact on him. So, I think if you take it from that spirit of it, um, but uh, you know, it's not the first time Josh Osong has done something that people are talking about. I don't mean that in a bad way, but uh, in this case, <laughs> but uh, it'll be it, you know, the kid's got a lot of talent, and uh, who knows that could be that could turn out to be a real nice. Uh, Nice, nice draft pick for a nice pick for uh, the Islanders. So uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. I I do feel like they're gonna they're gonna just sneak into the playoffs, which I can't believe I'm saying because if you would have asked me that about early in the new year, I I would have said, well, yeah, get ready for the the ping pong balls in April.
1: Right, 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 right. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for this week on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We thank everybody for listening to us. You can follow us on Twitter at Vegas Hockey Pod, and you can get all of Chris's Islanders content at the NL King on Twitter. And we also give a shout out to the hockey who host our podcast on their podcast page. We really appreciate being on there with all the other great podcasts that they host. And if you guys are looking for some good hockey talk, you can go over to the hockey and, and just push and click on any of them. They're all good hosts. They all have great content. So go over there, check us out and also check out the other hosts. Uh, next week we're here Hi. with Matt Robinson. Go ahead.
2: I just had a quick
0: thought, and hope it's not out of bounds for saying this on the on the show. Uh, an idea might be for, especially I think it's on a Saturday in late April uh, when they do the NHL draft lottery. Maybe that night, that day we do the show, either right after the, the lottery, and uh, we can talk about it. Obviously, that's going to be a big night for Vegas.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. We'll have to work out the details on that, but that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. Anyway, for this week, we're all said and done. Uh, come back in next week. Same bad time, same that channel. For Chris, on Mark, and we're gone.